Hello and welcome to Studio 7500. I am your host, Greg Hull, along with Jamie Brown. The trying, one and only. Trying my new radio voice, everybody. Yeah, let's see if he can keep it that I low. can't. I can't. So here we are toward the end of September. Lots happening on campus. We're in full swing now. Lots of activity and people and various other things. I haven't seen the comfort dogs yet, though. Oh, are they scheduled to come on campus soon? I don't think so. I oh. think they come toward uh, when there's um, finals. Finals, but it's like a whole half dozen of good boys. Aw, they're just the best boys. Our colleague Rebecca should bring her pooches. Yes, back. yeah. So, you know, here we are. We're telling Woodbury's story. We're having fun doing it today. We've got a great guest, a student. We love having students on, so we'll introduce her shortly. Um, what's going on with you, Jamie? Uh, well, let's see here. Well, we were just talking about following the news. There's a lot of news. I'm a huge fan of uh, musicians, so I, I, we've had a tough week. Yeah, with, we sure have. With the, with the death of Eddie Money and then... Um, let me pause yes. and say Eddie Money... Just got two tickets to paradise. Aw, bump, And he's taking us all with him. Not yet. And then Rick Ocasek. Very sad. We, who I grew up listening to the cars. Come on. It was, it's a sad, you know, it's. Yeah. Also, it, you know, he was 75. Yeah, that's a little bit. I, I was, I didn't realize he was that old. What does that say about yeah. me? Yeeks. He always seemed a little older, you know. I guess. So, you know, he was a late bloomer. But anyway, yeah, big loss. Big loss in the music world. So, not you know, what else is happening with me? Just work and, uh, you know, I got my new car. <laughs> yeah. I have a very boring life. Nothing exciting is happening. Well, you know, I don't have much to say either. Um, I am going tomorrow with our so we've got we do have a virtual tour on our website the guy who does it ha, is here now what does uh, that mean he's 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 at the uh he's he's going to be on campus tomorrow okay. okay uh and we're going down to san diego oh wow yeah are so you, a little road you, trip with kenny weems that's you, you met him remember yeah so you guys are good guy are you taking the train <laughs> no we're gonna drive actually oh nice so a little road trip Oh, well, you have a chance to visit? Exactly. Yeah, so, cool. Nice. Um, but anyway, that's going to be fun. And then we've got some video. We've got a video this Friday we're filming, our making complex. Oh, nice. So that's going to be good. And then we get a whole bunch of videos next week. So What's happening next week? We've got, uh, we're filming a video um, view book. So, yeah. Oh, wow. That's a that's a first. Yeah, it's kind of exciting. So, or not. It's actually a logistical nightmare, but we're doing it. Yeah, that's amazing. Good for you. Yeah, so we have, yeah, it seems like it's hopping. I think the new, uh, the new way to showcase what's happening through content is through video. Is that that's the, correct. the latest and, and greatest? And, 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 and podcasts. And podcasts. And, uh, yes. Um, speaking of which, yes. why don't you, if you want to, you know, you want to tell us something, Maybe you like my new radio voice. <laughs> or not. <laughs> um, reach out to us by email, greg, G-R-E-G dot H-O-U-L-E -L -E, at woodbury.edu. You can contact us at Instagram, woodbury underscore university, or on Twitter at woodburyu. 
Why don't we take a little break and, and uh, we'll introduce our guest? Yeah. Okay. okay. Welcome back to Studio 7500. This is Jamie and Greg, and I'm going to introduce our lovely guest today, Jackie Tejada. She's a student here, and she is an interdisciplinary study student, um, and that's within our College of Liberal Arts. Welcome to the show, Jackie. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm super, super happy to be here. We're excited to have you. You have quite a story to share with us. Let's just start from the beginning. Tell us about yourself. Okay. Um, so I am from two Peruvian parents um, that immigrated here. I'm actually the only, I have an older brother who was also born in Peru. I'm the only one that's born uh, in the United States. Um, and so it feels a little bit weird because I don't have the same experience as them. It's very different. Also, my brother is a lot older than me. Um, he's turning 35 this year, mm. and I'm I'm 21. Mm. Um, so it's a, a huge gap, but we're we're still very 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 close, and so I feel very lucky to to have that relationship with him. Um, and I've had like a much more fortunate life and different life than he has, um, and as well as my parents. Um, but. My parents sent me to private school my entire life, uh, from K to, to high school. Um, I went to St. Luke's, which was great, a very small private school in Temple City. Um, and then I went to Ramona Convent, <coughs> which it, it's in Alhambra. And um, it was an all-girls school, and it was a wonderful experience. Um, it's so great to be around women, especially in an environment where no one's afraid to to really speak their mind or to ask questions in class because no one felt the pressure of like having boys around and stuff and especially at that age I, I think a lot of girls were or I see that girls here or just students here in general sometimes feel scared to to voice their opinions in class or, or be active members in the classroom which was so weird to me at first when I attended Woodbury because when I was at Ramona, it was entirely different. Um, there was so much discussion. Um, and I think it was like very free <laughs> uh, to talk about like our, our personal issues as being a woman. And um, it was very empowering um, because like you didn't really see it in that lens. You didn't see it as like something to notice. It was just the norm. And I didn't really come to realize that until uh, I started uh, going to school to Woodbury, or also when I had classes at, at UCLA, it was different. And I had that while I was in high school, and, and that's when I started noticing it. And I really felt happy that my parents put me there. Um, makes me miss it sometimes, being around just only women. But um, I, I do love being at Woodbury and having so many different ideas. And I love the diversity of Woodbury, um, which I didn't really have as much when I went in high school. It was primarily um, Latinx uh, community or Latinas. Um, and uh, here, 
there's so many different cultures and, and I love it. Um, I think that's the interdisciplinarian in me, um, mm-hmm. like learning from different perspectives uh, and all the different values that they have. Um, but how did you find Woodbury? So my mom, um, she was, because I, I wanted to study architecture um, and she had found out about the IPAL program and told me about it. And this is one of the schools that offered that. Um, so that's what really put Woodbury on the map for me. Um, and I ended up coming here um, because I wanted to be closer to home. I, I was originally planning to go to the University of San Francisco. Um, but I was thinking about it like long term and how expensive it is to live in San Francisco. And the dorming uh, at USF isn't guaranteed every single year. Um, and so just because I, I didn't want to uh, go through with the, the problem of figuring out how to afford housing in San Francisco, uh, I came to Woodbury and I liked being closer to LA. It's an area that I just have totally fallen in love with. Um, all of its flaws as well. I uh, want to be close and be able to do more field research with that and that's kind of what I'm doing right now. And so it, it all seemed like it, it fell into place perfectly. Um, you, but you, so did you always know you wanted to study architecture? Um, I had known since maybe like my sophomore year in high school. That's when I, um, I started applying to like the summer programs at UCLA because they had a, a summer architecture studio. And, um, I also had classes at, uh, Pasadena Art Center, uh, where I had architecture classes there as well um and they were just so amazing it was so fun um it, it didn't really seem like schoolwork. it you know well why what was it that drew you to architecture um i think it was just the iterative process of it um always uh reanalyzing what you produced uh and, and finding ways to make it better and also I was just so mesmerized by architectural drawings, uh, which seems like a weird thing to be caught up in, but they were just the details of it uh, and the different notations. And um, I don't know, <laughs> it sounds so boring when I describe it, but I was just so, uh, I, I liked how organized it was and the intentionality behind it and um, just how much thought you have to put behind everything. Um, and, and that's the kind of work that I really like. Um, nothing kind of seems random, um, and, and everything has a function mm-hmm. to it. Um, and yeah, I, I ended up incorporating architectural drawings into my um, studio art project in my senior year. I um, took apart different fruits, vegetables, and different foods, and, and drew them in an architectural style. And so, like, you have like exonometric drawings of sandwiches. Um, and or like dragon fruits uh, drawn in plans and sections uh, with different uh, medias. Um, and so I just had fun with it. Uh, and we did like a similar thing at one of my UCLA classes um, where, yeah, we took apart um, a bell pepper mm-hmm. uh, and we just did different drawings of it and uh, organized them all on a page. And yeah, I just took that and, and ran with it and, and started doing that with different fruits and different different dishes. like. I did it with like pizza and stuff and and so yeah I just made it fun um and I feel like it was that work that kind of put me ahead when I was in my freshman year because I already knew like what these drawings were and 
um, yeah, it just it was cool to have to have done that in high school and and yeah, I was kind of bummed when we weren't doing as many hand drawings um, in in studio. Um, I wish we had that more. That'd been fun. Uh, I feel like I still do that now with everything. I write all my essays by hand before I submit them. <laughs> it's mm. just a kind of like a process that I that I do. It kind of also forces me to proofread it another time. Mm-hmm. Um, let let so our listeners aren't uh, confused. I I want to um, share that Jackie entered came to Woodbury as an architectural student major, mm-hmm. and then switched majors a couple years ago, last year. Yeah, it was last year. To um, interdisciplinary studies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So can you um, go through that whole process and how you, how you made that decision? Yeah, so um, my second year during the first semester, I took this class uh, called uh, Alternative Housing, and that was with Emily Bills. And I hadn't originally intended to take that class. It was so weird i was originally taking a celebrity class um it was, it was just like an elective wait a second celebrity class yeah it was uh, <laughs> it was a philosophy class. class wow it was a philosophy class to study um you know what makes someone a celebrity huh yeah i didn't even take one i didn't even go to any classes there um because of the timing I, I remember like i was thinking I don't really like, I don't want to stay until like 9 p.m. at night, even though I'm doing that now <laughs> at Woodbury. Um, and so I was looking, I, I got this email about this class, Alternative Housing, and I read it and I was like, oh my gosh, like this is amazing. Like I, I need to take this class. And so I immediately switched out and and I went, uh, even though I was really scared because it was right before um, Friday studios. And those are usually times that you spend like printing uh, and stuff. I don't know if you guys always see the architecture students up by the computer labs printing away <laughs> as much as you can before we have to go to studio. Um, so, yeah, I felt like conflicted before. I was like, I'm giving up that time, but I'm so glad that I, I took that class because it really, that's what made me think like I should be studying more urban studies classes uh, and topics like this. But I didn't really want to give up architecture because um, one, I invested so much time in it, but also because I really loved it, and I, it still felt like that's where I wanted to be. Um, but then I found out about interdisciplinary studies, uh, and I talked to Will McConnell, and um, I I had heard of the major, but I wasn't entirely sure what it was. Um, and for other people that aren't sure, you you get to kind of design your own curriculum and combine um, two majors, and so I combined urban studies and architecture. And from that point on, like being at Woodbury has been perfect. I've been taking like all the classes that I've loved and able to use the information almost immediately, uh, whether it's at my internship or whether it's um, doing community work, um, Skid Row. Um, and it felt like I was already kind of doing that with my studio projects. I remember my last semester in architecture. I had used pretty much all the information that we had learned in alternative house in that alternative housing class and incorporated into my studio project, and so it was pretty much like an urban jungle that I had designed um, with sustainable housing and ways to uh, bring back indigenous species from uh, from the area since it was located right by the LA River, um, and and that was super interdisciplinary to me, uh, which I didn't realize that until like 
now understanding more what that really means, um, just working across multiple disciplines. Um, but yeah, after after I had switched, everything just like <laughs> fell into place. I got my internship at, at Homeboys Industries five days after I switched majors, which I was like, wow. <laughs> so what did you do there? Um, and so I worked in development. Um, mm-hmm. And so I helped with the planning of like different fundraising events. One of the major events that I helped with was Low Maximo, which is like, um, it's like this big gala, like a really fancy event where we have a lot of like our funders there. Um, and we had Jane Fonda there, um, and she was like one of the hosts. And um, we honor different of uh, different members of community that have been doing a lot of good work, um, and other like uh, political officials as well that have been working uh, on our side um, to help better the uh, situations for these um, previously incarcerated uh, individuals. Um, and that was super fun. It was. Uh, a lot of planning, <laughs> you know, for like a big event like that. Um, but, you know, it, it's like a different part of Homeboys that people don't really think about mm-hmm. a lot. You know, we, we do a lot of, of different work there. Um, but that's more like the behind the scenes works of, uh, and also just like showing gratitude. Um, and yeah, it, w- it was really fun. Very stressful, but really fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Homeboys is super fast paced. It's always busy, always filled with people. We're such a small little building. But so many people come in and out. We have tours going on pretty much all day. And so uh, it, it's always a really fun environment. And I, I, we're assuming everyone knows what Homeboy is. I mean, everyone probably does. But <laughs> g- can you give a little um, synopsis of what Homeboy is and what yeah. its purpose is? Uh, so Homeboys um, helps previously incarcerated individuals. Uh, th- there's like an 18-month program that um, you can apply for. And uh, it provides them with a job and different services, like medical services and um, different forms of therapy, not just like, you know, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, but there's therapy for for, uh, whatever you like. There's art therapy, there's music therapy. There's also, um, they have AA there, uh, and they have uh, Criminal Gangs Anonymous there as well, and Narcotics Anonymous. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, we have a lot of different, like, I mean, I guess you could call them like field trips, but just um, ways to to bring community together um, and, and bond with each other. Um, and it's not only limited to just the people in the program, but it's anyone like that's in Homeboys as well. And so as an intern, I would take part in those events as well. And because I think it's really important to, to know all the people that that you're involved with not just people in your department, um, but we call them trainees, the, the ex-cons, we call them trainees. And so, uh, you know, trying to get to know as many trainees as you can um, because, you know, you want to build relationships and they're so focused on kinship there. Um, and so when you're there, it, it doesn't feel like you're going to like work or anything. Mm-hmm. It feels like you're visiting family and everyone there is just so, so loving and, and kind and really cares about each other. And that's really like the main thing that, I feel I got out of it is how important these sort of relationships are when you're in an organization or if you're in a business or you know also in school um, it's that's what what makes things you know thrive uh, and, and people really value those things mm-hmm. so you got this internship five days after you <laughs> switched to yeah. INDS mm-hmm. so how much how, that must have impacted your 
experience, right? Did that totally. like did that um, uh, help inform how you were going to move forward in interdisciplinary studies? Um, yes and no. I mean, it, it happened so quickly. Like, I didn't even really have like a moment to like take things in or like even realize like because when I switched, it was like kind of over Christmas break. And so I was just kind of waiting. Like, I didn't really know how the INDS classes were going to be at all. Um, I was just ready for this internship. And um, I knew I always wanted to do community work. And so um, when I was in Homeboys, um, it just totally, like, reinforced that. Um, the um, How important, how much I value um, community. And because um, just... I, I feel like there is a lack of it, um, not just like here at Woodbury or anything, or but uh, when we look at society as a whole, uh, I feel like more people are focused on their own individual paths, which is important to do. Um, but I think there's uh, more strength in trying to integrate all of our paths together because uh, I mean, uh, that's just the experience that I've had. Um, even like now, like when I'm working on my thesis project and talking to uh, multiple faculty members that you know have totally different talents and stuff and, and that just makes my project stronger and more multifaceted and, and addressing more issues what do you think it is in your upbringing that brought you to the person you are today that's very admirable for a young person you. to, to <laughs> think that way um I think I mean I my childhood wasn't like the best childhood um and I feel that it, it was not my parents' fault or anything. It was just multiple problems going on at the same time that they were having to deal with. And my brother wasn't present in my life when I was younger. And I was pretty much kind of alone uh, from like first grade until like fifth grade. And I think it was that, that isolation that gave me a lot of time to think. Um, and made me feel like I don't want anyone else to feel this way. And I just wanna um, be be the person that I wish I had in my life when I was younger. Um, and it doesn't just apply to other people, but it applies to all problems that have been neglected. Um, and so environmental problems, economical problems, political and social problems. And, uh, and, and I think that's, I've been thinking about it a lot too, because I've been getting that question quite a bit, like what, what made you into who you are today and yeah it's been in my mind and I really think that's what it was um because my parents are totally different from me um and sometimes they're surprised like because even they have trouble finding out like the source of uh, of this passion for help helping others um but yeah it's it's been that way since I was little being like really generous like with my time or my resources I remember when I was little I would I would save like all the little money that I would get and I would go to daycare and, and once I had enough money I would throw like we would call it a fiesta and I would buy all the snacks from from the from the snack store that we had and we would just have like this like you know big table like reserved to us and we'd have like candy and ice cream and games and it was just like it was just made it fun you know and I was I, even then like, I was like I didn't I didn't care that like you know I wasted all my money it was just like the experience of oh, it wow. of sharing it with people so amazing yeah do you do you feel like that's why you have this well you were just you just said it is but passion for helping the homeless and and yeah, the crisis definitely and because um 
why I live in West Covina, and over there it's really boring. <laughs> There's not much to do. Um, there, I even saw like a few years ago um, this thing on Twitter of a screenshot of like the three most boring cities in California, <laughs> and West Covina was the third one. And I was like, yep. <laughs> That's my city. Oh my God. <laughs> At least yeah. it wasn't number one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's, what's number one? <laughs> I can't even remember. But <laughs> oh, funny. But yeah. Um, Nothing's so wrong with boring. <laughs> Stay out of trouble. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. But uh, I always felt drawn to going to Los Angeles because everyone was like, that's where it's at. That's where there's so many things to do. And also the food there is just so good. And so I'd always find my way over there. Whether it's you know asking begging my mom to drive me there and pick me up later, or after I I was able to get my license, um, borrowing my friend's car and they're like let's just go, you know. But you know when you're there, you you see all of the the homeless people there, and I was like you know everyone loves the city and it's great and it has so many amazing businesses and and museums and it's like really thriving. But there's this whole other part of it that is being totally neglected and and pushed away. Um, and, and it unfortunately it, the issue is getting worse there is just this um, I think it was yesterday or the day before yesterday there's this ruling I can't remember for what the bill was but basically now homelessness is even more criminalized they're being able to be forced uh, into shelters um, which is a major loss for, for people that are trying to help um, this community it, because a lot of these shelters aren't really having the people that are trained um, to handle these people with their conditions. Um, and it's very dehumanizing in those shelters. You you can't bring in a lot of your personal belongings. Um, so everything that you're attached to is um, being left behind. And I don't know if a lot of people are aware, but personal items are very vital to developing who you are in your life um, and not having those connections anymore has a really great impact on you um, and, and you kind of lose like your individuality um, and, and it's and it's traumatizing to other people um, and so while it might seem like they don't want them bringing like a bunch of dirty items into their shelter it has a much greater impact than than just that mm -hmm. and so that's just one thing that's going on right now but um yeah the issue with homelessness in, in LA um that's kind of how I it was brought to my attention by just going to LA and seeing it and it was it like impossible for me to ignore and then I would start talking to them and and I would see that these aren't people that are just like drug addicts and they're not all people that have like serious mental health problems like I just talked to a homeless man today just a few hours ago um, this man he was like a, a music producer and musician and all of a sudden um, he got uh, he got MS multiple sclerosis. I don't even know how to pronounce it. yeah <laughs> um, and at the same time his mother had died um, and he was faced with a bunch of these medical expenses um, and wasn't really able to perform anymore. He had lost his home um, and then found himself homeless. Um, and he never got involved with drugs. He, he wasn't like some delinquent. <laughs> um, and he found himself in Echo Park now. And 
Um, he can't really walk. All of his instruments were stolen. His wheelchair was stolen. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I'm just going to say everyone, everyone has a story. Right. You know? And I think sometimes we forget that, mm-hmm. that like regardless of someone's situation, um, housing situation, they have a story. They're a human being. They have, mm-hmm. you know. Totally. Yeah, that, that issue is, is really bothers me, too, when I see homeless people. It really, it, but I feel like my hands are tied, though. I'm, I don't know what to do. Right. So that's it. So what are, what are some of the things? It's not, a, what are some of the things that you think? Well, you're working on a project, right? That let's let me talk about your thesis yeah. project a little bit. And so uh, my thesis project addresses uh, sustainability in all aspects. So sustaining communities and individual members, the environment and its creatures, and as well as the local economy. And so one component of my project is uh, building a tiny house um, on wheels uh, out of repurposed, recycled, and secondhand materials. Um, And so we don't let those items that people have go to waste. And also everything bought isn't from like a large corporation. Uh, It's bought from community members. And so the money stays within the community Mm -hmm. um, where it should stay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, it also keeps things very low cost. Like usually a trailer for a tiny house would cost like $5,000, sometimes $7,000. I got mine for $1,000. And so it took a long time to find one. But uh, and of course, like when you're doing things in this way, it is going to take a little bit more work. Um, I feel like everything that's great takes more work anyways. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, all the wood I got was a lot cheaper than buying it from like Home Depot or Lowe's. Um, And so I think so far I've only spent like 1,300 on the materials. And uh, we've been building since like uh, mid-August and we're, uh, we have all the walls done, all the windows and doors are put in. Um, the next step is to add the exterior siding and some of the electrical and plumbing, and then it'll be here in October 7th. When you say we, who's we? So I'm building it with my dad and my uncle, who's a contractor, and so we're building together. I would not be able to do it by myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm way too small and not strong enough to do that. But um, the whole point of having it on campus is to promote community work, um, to address uh, to to build solutions through community. Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't want any of it to be just me. Um, I, I want, and, and I'm documenting that, you know, all the people that have helped me, the people that have sold me the the materials um, and the trailers, um, and the people that have been helping me at Woodbury to, you know, to get this on campus. Um, another component of my project is developing a, a needs assessment survey and, um, I'll be surveying the Woodbury student, faculty, community, as well as the Skid Row community, um, because I feel like these needs have some sort of connection to each other, whether they're similar or whether um, a certain need um, from a faculty or student member can be fulfilled by fulfilling another needs of a homeless mem- a homeless community member. Um, and so, yeah, I've just I just finished uh, completing the survey. Um, and now it's in the process of gonna go through the IRB at school, the Inter uh, Institutional Review Board, 
Um, and so it's exciting. <laughs> Why don't we uh, take a short break and then we can, um, I want to talk a little bit more about the tiny house. Okay, we're back with Jackie talking about her tiny house that she's building and bringing to campus and living in. So, yeah, what? <laughs> so why don't you just kind of back up a little bit. Tell us about this project. Like, what is it in a nutshell? What are you trying to, um, what are you doing, first of all? And then you, you already talked a little bit about what you're trying to accomplish. But um, just where, how did this all begin? It was really weird. Um, I was at Homeboys, just, you know, waiting for my computer to get fixed. And it just, the thought happened out of nowhere. And because I was doing also research, like, on these um, tiny houses at the time about sustainable living. And I was like, all these people are doing it themselves. Like, why can't I do it? And I was like, I can do it. You know, there's so many different people that were for their first time ever, you know, constructing something like this. Um, and it just all started from them having a deep interest in sustainability. And um, from just the, the tiny house idea sprouted everything else. Like I was like, I can address all of these issues that I care about in this project. And it just made sense because if this is going to be my thesis project, it should incorporate all the things that I care about and that I'm studying about. And so uh, I was studying also... Um, this uh, I was in this class called Food in the City with Emily Bills as well, um, and we were learning about um, food justice um, and all the different <laughs> components of that. Um, and I, I wanted to um, address that as well in my project, and I, I just didn't want to leave every, anything out because I felt that everything was connected, and it was it felt impossible to isolate the problem um, and really get any work done. Um, and so this project is meant to um, integrate all of these issues together um, and speak about them at the same time and address multiple issues and every component of it and so so the house itself is sustainable right so it's built yeah. from sustainable products You're, mm -hmm. it's going to run on solar right it's entirely power. off grid is it yeah. like uh, is it like a compost toilet or yeah what? it is a compost toilet um which i feel like most people are gonna be like weirded out <laughs> when they see it but um yeah I, i've seen many other people do it um and you know use the waste as fertilizer in your garden afterwards um and so, yeah, I mean, I've, it just takes research to look at other people, how they've done it. Um, and so it's the bucket method. Uh, so you have two separate toilets, one for number one, one for number two. <laughs> and they both have different processes that they go through before you can incorporate them back into your soil. Um, and then there's also going to be a, a biogas digester, um, which is pretty much a, an artificial stomach. Um, and you can say it's like another form of composting. Um, but this allows you to put any sort of food that, that you'd be consuming um, in there versus if you do like vermicompost or other compost, you can't put anything that's like really greasy or nothing with bones. 
um, this eliminates like having to really pick out like what you can and can't put in there. You put everything and two um, out there's two outputs. Um, so one is like this um, tea fertilizer that you can put into your garden and the other is is methane gas um, because you know like just like your stomach produces it the, this the the biogas digester also produces that which um, this is also something that Peace Corps uses to to have like stoves and kitchens in other in other countries where they don't really have access to gas um, they produce their gas in this way and then you connect it to your stove and, and there you go you're wow. producing That's amazing yeah you're producing gas through you know your food waste so what is the ETA on the tiny house coming to campus? Should, uh, it should be arriving the week of October 7th. So that's really soon. If you're listening to this, probably it's, um, it's probably going to drop around the 20th. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that's where pretty is soon. It, where is it going to be? So it's going to be in the upper parking lot um, in the by the grass area next to the basketball courts. Um, so that'll be like a little front lawn for it. How big is it? It's seven. It's, <laughs> it's seven feet by twelve feet, and so it's pretty small. It's under a hundred square feet, uh, and the height of it, um, including the trailer, is is thirteen feet. Um, and so, yeah, that's just standard. How mm-hmm. long will you be living in it? Uh, and so I'll be starting to live in it on New Year's because I want to just start right then and there and document it all, and then um, probably till. The end of the, sem- the second semester. Um. Uh, so, Jamie, this is great for media <laughs> attention, right? I mean, how can we, just, yeah, how can we not get someone to pay, or yeah. many people to pay attention to this? So, cool. so, what about showering and bathing? So, there's a shower in there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Where does the water come from? Um, and so, I have a water filter um, that you can filter, you know, even rainwater through there um, and, and other water that you collect. Um, and so I'm trying to reduce the amount of water I need for showering. Um, and so I, I don't know what they're exactly called, but there's like this two gallon bucket thing um, that I'll be using. Um, and that'll help me track how much water I am using. And um, yeah, I have a connection to have like actual shower head for it. Um, but there's so many, so many different methods of heating your water as well. like. I was watching this other guy who, who has like the same sort of bucket and he just spray painted it black and he would leave it out in the sun and his water could get up to 120 degrees. Wow. Yeah. So what is your, what are you trying to, what is, what are you trying to prove or showcase with this? So, so the, the project is pretty much just testing out different alternative solutions to, to the current issues that we're facing. Mm-hmm. Um, but let me back up because uh, I was mentioning the the survey of the needs assessment, and that is what's going to kind of direct the research I'll be doing in my second semester, and just being like a living experiment to test out these solutions. And so, um, the survey will be asking what are your like most urgent needs or, or your unfulfilled needs, um, and then it'll also be asking what sort of support systems do you feel would be most helpful to addressing those needs, and then based on um, the needs that, that most people are having, um, that's what I'll be trying to find alternative solutions to. Um, and as well as like, since many people might not be addressing like environmental needs, um, I'll be looking at that and, and just trying to figure out like what's the most pressing matter. 
and then um, going out and, and searching for different solutions um, that address like that are more cost effective or cost efficient um, that don't require as much time. Um, and I'll be documenting all of that um, and like how effective it was for me, the certain difficulty level I believe it's at um, and, and all other problems that would be arising and all of that will be documented and then compiled into uh, like a small book or a PDF so it could be easily distributed electronically and then given back to the community members because I do realize that a lot of the problem, like many times we put ourselves at the bottom of our to-do list, you know, we're always um, busy with, you know, school or work uh, or whatever it is um, that we many times forget to make time for ourselves and our needs. And so this is to help kind of lift the burden of like, making that time and as well as you know doing the hours and hours of research to try and figure out what solution may or may not work and then testing it out and realizing like this is really expensive or this takes a lot of time that I can't dedicate to, to doing this and so having all of that there available so that you, a person wouldn't have to go through all of that uh, I'll just do the heavy lifting for them um, because you know I, I want to do that for my thesis project um, and, and help others I feel like uh, it's a gift. <laughs> yeah. It's a little like when you bought all the kids the stuff to have a party. Yeah. <laughs> but at a much higher level. Yeah. Uh, that's great. So you'll be recording, you'll be taking data and all yeah. of that. Yeah. And so um, one thing that um, Brandon from IT had suggested is me to do like a video series that would be um, updated either weekly or bi-weekly and then put on all of the TVs uh, across Woodbury. Um, and so updating like what state we're in, like the tiny house and also updating like with after I'm living in there, like what sort of problems uh, arise from, from living in there. Um, and as well as like trying to balance doing all of that with school, with work and, you know, still trying to work with Skid Row. And uh, I'm vegan, so he wants me to document if there's like every day, like I'm really craving a steak or something, you know. <laughs> oh, Brandon. <laughs> um, but... But yeah, that's uh, it's a very uh, like multifaceted project, and um, I really want to like show everyone that you know it, it is a lot. It seems like a lot, uh, but it's definitely possible, and that I don't think anyone else has to do uh, what I'm doing at this degree and, and do it all at the same time while doing all this work. But just to make you know incorporating like one or two things yeah. well and you know we always talk about not being overtly promotional but then i always at least once once every show become overt overtly promotional <laughs> yeah, but, but it's authentic but what i do want to say is to, to your point uh jackie is that so you're in interdisciplinary studies and you were able to to create this you were able to turn this idea this really enormous uh, interesting and, and challenging idea into a project that mm -hmm. you're doing. And I think that speaks a lot to this program. And so if Definitely. you're a prospective student and you have big ideas like Jackie does or small ideas like Jamie, <laughs> then you can come here and execute them uh, through this program. And I think it's, you know, it's a really undersold. I think it's hard to sell a program that's so huge Mm -hmm. um, so it's really exciting. I mean, I would assume that this has been, I mean, well, maybe we should ask you like in May or whatever, when you're like probably like pulling your hair out <laughs> or whatever, but like it's, 
must be amazingly rewarding to be doing yeah this. totally oh my gosh I, I every time like I you know take another photo of my house it's just like and I and I get to see the timeline of it I'm just like wow like we did it in such a short amount of time like I was so surprised like the whole framing for the house took only a day um, which was just so crazy to me because it took so much time to get all the wood together and and the trailer and stuff and I was like I started like having doubts. I was like, we're not gonna be able to get it done by the end of the year. And then everything's gonna be pushed back and I don't know how I'm gonna do it. But the whole building of it is just so fast paced and we're really able to to work together and communicate well. And um, and I, I dedicate like, you know, um, you know some uh, several hours during the week to try and make sure like we have everything organized together and we know exactly what we're doing. And so um, it's a lot of like, me working on my management skills mm -hmm. at the same time and which wasn't like something that I was expecting to work on it was more like I thought it was just going to be like a design project and, and just building it but when you have so much material and you have other people working on a project with you you have to think about how you're going to manage the um the resources and, and what's going to be worked on today and then having everything lined up um just to be more considerate of other people's time you know yeah, I mean, I always feel like that's sort of the real lesson you learn. Like, you go to college and stuff, you learn all this stuff, and then you get a job, and you're like, oh, I didn't learn any of this. <laughs> like, how to deal with people, how to manage your time, how to manage other people's time, stuff like that. Um, so, like, to get that experience now is really good. Yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite parts uh, of the project uh, is working with other people um, and actually having to go, like, hunting for materials and stuff like that rather than just going to like a store where it has everything you know having to interact with people and and um yeah this project has definitely forced me to like out of my comfort zone and talking to like a bunch more like uh strangers um to try and get more ideas and how to develop the project more um and, and i think I've gained so much from doing that that I don't really fear like talking to people anymore. Um, well, well, why don't we shift gears a little bit and talk about your other uh, is it your other internship, right? Mm -hmm. like, yeah. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing there. Yeah. So I'm with the Los Angeles Community Action Network, um, also known as LA Can, uh, which is a wonderful organization located in the heart of Skid Row, um, and we focus on um, giving services to, to the homeless community there. Um, and so uh, I'm mostly involved with the Food and Wellness Collaborative. And I've been doing these monthly workshops um, where we give presentations on how to uh, incorporate healthy eating habits into your life um, and different dishes as well um, that doesn't require um, a stove or an oven because most of the people living in Skid Row don't have access to that. Um, and then also um, how to, you know, use your EVT and your food stamps a little bit more wisely. Um, like if you go to a farmer's market and use your food stamps, they'll do like a market match. And so if you use like $10 in food stamps, they'll give you another $10. So you can spend $20 there and you get a lot more nutritious food um, there versus going to, you know, like a fast food place to get your food because even though it, it seems cheaper, it isn't really cheaper in the long run when you have a bunch of medical expenses later on and your health is pretty much ruined. Um, and so 
we we teach them uh, how to incorporate these healthy habits into life and as well as how to grow their own food. And so we're promoting this idea of uh, growing your own medicine. And so we have a, a totally organic garden, uh, a rooftop garden there. And so we'll have events there and we'll teach people how to garden and people will come and like decorate the garden as well because we also want to promote this other idea that art has no address um, because a lot of people come to LA for the art and think that you know art is only located in galleries or museums or at concert venues but we're trying to show that art is located right here in Skid Row as well and so uh, we have these um, these art rocks that people come and paint on and we put them in our garden just to beautify it a little bit more. All of our bins have been painted by uh, local artists. We also have um, a musical group called the Freedom Singers um, that, that I'm a part of, and um, it, it's so beautiful. <laughs> I, I love it. I just had practice yesterday, and uh, we sing um, different musics about like e- empowering um, our individuality and, and our self-worth and um, you know just showing that you know, just because someone's homeless doesn't make them less of a human being. Um, and, and it's more than just music, too. Uh, we learn about, like, what's going on in each other's life, and it really is, like, a, a family there. Um, and that's what I love about it the most at LA Can is that everyone is so invested in, in what's going on in your life. Um, another group that we have there is called the DWAC, the Downtown Women's Action coalition um, and that focuses just on on the women of Skid Row um, and that's what inspired me to do a needs assessment because um, every three years uh, we do a women's needs assessment and um, because a lot of the the needs that women has goes underrepresented or or totally neglected um, and the city had just allocated 200 million dollars to, to address um, the homelessness crisis in Skid Row and we wanted to make sure that there's like an explicit list of what the women really need, um, you know, like hygiene products um, and like the issue of safety there. Um, yeah, it's really sad. So many things get stolen from people. One of my friends, uh, Eunice, um, I was walking her home after one of our events. Uh, we have a Freedom Now event. Um, and it was like about one in the morning um and and i was walking her home she was telling me like i just bought this new tent you know i saved my money for it and i finally got it and i was so happy to see it and uh and i was walking her home and it was stolen it was stolen yeah yeah it's really really heartbreaking and um just like the walk home was also I was surprised that she was going to walk home by herself originally. She has a lot of stuff to, to take with her, like her shopping carts that are like really filled. Um, and I was like, how are you going to take this home? Just like all by yourself. And she's like, you know, I find my way. And I was like, no, like, let's go. Well, we'll just do this together. And while we're going there, uh, one of the shopping carts, it's a pothole and all of it tumbles over. And I was like, if I wasn't here, she'd have to get all her stuff by herself. And I was just, I just kept imagining what it would have been like if I wasn't there. And, and I know that many times I'm not there. And so I would just, I, it really breaks my heart that, that she has to go through that. But when things did fall over, it was, 
people came and actually helped put everything back together and they were making sure that me and her were okay making sure that like no one pushed us down that there wasn't someone that was trying to do anything and and the people there really do care about each other and and i feel like that's something that it's totally forgotten about and that at that moment i had forgotten about it too and and because I, I was like caught off guard that these gentlemen had come and to help us oops, <laughs> helped us uh with all of these things um, and it was a really like precious moment for me. Um, but Eunice has now has gotten to housing and so she doesn't have to deal with that anymore. Well, great. Yeah. And so it, it's another milestone for us. And, and so I, I'm really happy for her. Is she happy there? Yeah. Uh, right now she's, well, she's in transitional housing. And so, um, she's really happy. And, and I remember the, the day she announced it, it, she just looked like she got five years younger, like all the stress from being homeless, which is like lifted off her, her shoulders. And it was so, it was beautiful uh, to hear that from her. And she's exciting to get her permanent housing soon. Um, and so while there is a lot of bummers out there when when you're out in skid row it there's always something to celebrate and, and that's just one of those things um that I, i'm letting uh you know fill my life with joy for a moment you know just it's amazing I, I tell you i mean our students yeah yeah I mean, <laughs> there was like is. who was who were we interviewing and i almost started crying yeah <laughs> i'm like you, i'm very moved in touch this mm-hmm. is it's so beautiful the work that you do i mean you're like you're like an angel <laughs> well so what's the v what's uh sorry let me restart that so what does the future hold for you so i am planning to go to peace corps uh, after I graduate, you know, really extend uh, what the work I want to be doing um, into other communities. And um, yeah, that's kind of like what made me want to take my anthropology class this year to learn about different cultures. And and um, I think there's so much to learn from different cultures, uh, the way they, the, the relationships that they have with the earth or with each other. Um, is totally different than, than what we have. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like we don't really have a relationship with the soil right here. And so, um, yeah, I, I just want to branch out and, and get like multiple perspectives on these different issues. Um, I feel like that's what it's always been for me. Uh, I'm trying to expand my horizons in that way. Um, and then after Peace Corps, I want to get my master's in public administration and then you know, get a job in that as well. And then um, further down the line, get more uh, into um, government work, um, whether it's Congress mm-hmm. or like I was presidency just, or something yeah. like that. Oh, I was going to say, I could see you nice. being a politician. Yeah, that, that's the goal. I feel like um, I'm, I've been doing a lot of this kind of like studies uh, and trying to keep up with it. Um, and there's so many different ideas that I have um, to to better um, not only the conditions of like these marginalized communities, but the conditions of the environment as well. And, and there's so many different possibilities that I feel like aren't being talked about right now. Um, like this thing about like regenerative, regenerative al- agriculture. Um, and we have a lot of subsidies that go to the, the meat industry or to commodity crops, such as like corn and wheat, which I mean, right now like probably doesn't seem like an issue but 84 percent of those subsidies go to this commodity crops and only one percent go to fruits and vegetables which shows like why living a healthy lifestyle can be more expensive in that way um and 
if we do like subsidies for these you know fruits and veggies also we do subsidies for regenerative regenerative agriculture i have such a hard time saying that um then you know we'll be valuing more of those kind of lifestyles versus you know the harmful practices that we have right now um but yeah those are some things that i'm really like trying to pay more attention to um because you know like you hear people say like, oh, well, I can't be healthy because it's expensive. And instead of just like trying to, you know, make them grow their own food, it's trying to like, why can't we just have, <laughs> you know, more accessible, healthy food and stuff like that? Well, we definitely need, without getting political, we definitely need more empathy in politics. Absolutely. So um, certainly someone who thinks like you do is uh, good for all of us. So ho- good luck. I hope. I we'll hope, vote for uh, you. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I'll be like in a wheelchair. <laughs> I'll be voting for you. <laughs> if, we, if our earth makes it that far, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm not laughing now. That's not funny. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm, I'm actually really concerned about that. But anyway, um, well, let me ask you, because we always ask this of our students. Um, what If you were talking to a prospective student right now, mm-hmm. someone who's like, like or yourself when you were mm-hmm. like 17 or whatever, what would you tell them about Woodbury? We have amazing faculty that are so willing to help and are excited to help, not just um, – not just willing, you know, they they get so excited over student projects, um, and I feel like that's something that I really, really value and and want to take advantage of. And versus, um, you know, another school that may have like a larger amount of students, and professors probably get bombarded by students um, there. And so here, you're able to make very personal relationships um, with the faculty, and that's something that. I, I love so much and has helped me so much along the way. Um, and also the diversity. Um, even if like you don't talk to every single student here, just seeing it is beautiful. It makes me happy. Um, and yeah, I think those are two of like the major things that I really love and, and that most places don't really offer, I think at least. <laughs> well, Jackie, thanks for everything that you do. And good luck with the tiny house. We'll probably, maybe we'll do like a remote show. I can't from the wait. Tiny house. Yes, I can't wait to see it. Um, we'd love to maybe have you back and talk about your experiences. Yeah. And, you know, it's really where I, I don't want to speak for Jamie because she probably doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, we're really moved by the work that you're doing. It's Thank exciting, you. it's heartening. Like, we work at a university. This is why we work here. I know it sounds hokey or whatever, but it's glad. It's really exciting to know that we um, have students who are passionate and absolutely carrying that passion. I am so forward. impressed. I'm going to go home and tell my 19 year old daughter all about you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell her sorry in advance. <laughs> I'm actually going to have her listen to the show. <laughs> well, thank you so much and uh, good luck. Thank you. Yeah, good luck. Mm-hmm.